Welcome to The Bittersweet Life, a show about living abroad and moving home. And more than that, it's a deep exploration of what it means to live, to truly be alive. Your host, Tiffany Parks, is a childhood friend of mine. She lives in Rome, Italy. She moved there from the United States 16 years ago. And me, I'm Katie Sewell. I was a short-term expat for a time, living in Italy, right down the street from Tiffany. And then I moved home to Seattle, Washington. That's where I am now. So you are in the right place. If you love Italy or travel, if you're thinking about moving abroad or lived in a foreign place in the past, this is a show infused with art and literature and history. It's a show about life, and we're glad you're here. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And Tiffany, after a month, a little less, away from Rome, is back in Rome. I'm still in Seattle. But you've been away as well. I've been away as well. You've been hopping around here and there. But before, before we jump into this episode, Katie... Happy season nine. Oh, yes. Is that what it is? <laughs> this, this is the first episode of season nine. And if you've been listening all summer, you may know that we took about a little over a month mm-hmm. off, played some of our favorite past episodes that we have never re-aired, digging in some cases way back to seasons one and two and and kind of rediscovering some, I think, pretty fun episodes. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed those, especially those of you who maybe hadn't uh, heard them before because you're recent listeners to the show. Yes, and, and encouragement to go back to the beginning. There's so many good things back there. But uh, one thing that is interesting, Tiffany, if Tiffany sounds a little different, she's sitting in a different room than your normal right now because as part of her trip, her son spilled something across her laptop. Water, yes. <laughs> Yes, just water, but it was enough to apparently cause major damage, damage that I am not willing to pay to repair. Right. So until I get a new laptop, I am on my desktop in my study, which is a little bit echoey, and I apologize for that. I would put a blanket over me, but it's still quite hot here, so uh, I don't want to do that. It's still hot, and it's almost 10 p.m. At what point, you you know, is it all just a pain in the butt? I mean, this is part of the challenge of us being a, a cross-continental show, is that when we tape, it's often late evening for Tiffany, and tonight it's even later evening. Yes, because my child would not sleep. Let's just br- blame all of the show's problems on Aurelio tonight. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> if anything sounds terrible, it's all Aurelio's fault. So Tiffany is back in Rome. I'm back in Seattle after some less exciting travel than her. But today we're going to actually be talking about international travel in the time of COVID. Yeah. From Rome specifically to the United States. But I'm sure some of these things apply in other parts of the world. How was it? Where should we even begin I will say it is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> right. And I mean, there are t- so many different situations out there. And there are going to be people who just breeze through it, for sure. People who are maybe hard-tested travelers, people who've been, you know, who've done a lot of crazy travel, they might not be faced by it. Uh, people who are not frequent 
international travelers might be thrown for a loop. You know, people who have families like, uh, you know, us little kids. It's not as simple as you would hope. And I mean, I don't think international travel is ever that simple unless like you're going direct. I've never been lucky enough to live in a city in the United States or to want to go back to a city in the United States frequently, like where family is, that has direct flights to Rome. Now, th- there is one exception to that. That is L.A., right. where my sister lives and her family. We often go to L.A., but even when you have that direct flight, that's a long flight. It's long. So let's set up the circumstances for people who are brand new. You were traveling with your son, who is how old? He just turned six. And your husband, who is an Italian citizen. I thought you were going to ask his age. (laughs) Who is how old? He's 41. (laughs) And and he's an Italian citizen, and you are also an Italian citizen, but a dual citizen to the U.S. because you were born here and you grew up in the United States. My son is also a dual citizen. Yes. Flying from Rome to where? From Rome uh, to Salt Lake City via JFK. God help me, uh, JFK. <laughs> JFK is a nightmare to make connections in on the best of times. It was much worse. I've always had problems with JFK. Like every time I go there, where am I supposed to be? I don't, I don't understand. Like I, it's, it's not the first time that I've gone through there and I've gotten totally turned around and had a mini panic attack. Avoid JFK like the plague if you can. So when you say that international travel right now in the time of COVID is a bit of a nightmare, where does that begin for you? Well, I think it begins where it's going to begin for anyone, which is you have to have a lot of more paperwork. To go to the United States, you have to have a negative COVID test. Everyone, American citizens, non-American citizens, vaccinated people, non-vaccinated people, anyone over the age of two has to have a negative COVID test taken in the past, I believe, 48 hours just to get into the U.S. So that is an American rule. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. You have to have that. So, you know, luckily my husband and I are both vaccinated. My vaccination effectivity, I don't know if that's a word, my immunity, whatever, it like happened. You know, they say it takes two weeks after a second shot. It like kicked in literally the day before our trip. (laughs) So I was very lucky with the timing. But, um, you know, so we had to show our green passes. We had to have the negative COVID test for all three of us. And then, you know, just the stress of like, okay, I've got to get the test and it has to be within 48 hours, but I have to get the, I have to know that I can get the results back before we take off. And so, I mean, you know, just stuff like that. It's just a little bit more stressful when it comes to this testing and everything changes constantly. So it's like, you know, one, one month it's this, the next month it's that. There was this thing called COVID tested flights that different, a few different airlines were offering, including Delta and Alitalia. It was like you, you could go, you had to take a test before and then you had to take a test on arrival. And if you did that, you didn't have to quarantine. So that's what we were originally going to do. And then because the quarantine requirements were lifted, that flight didn't exist anymore, but we didn't know if they were going to put them back on because in the meantime, the Delta variant happens and we're like, oh my gosh, are they going to do it? Are, you know, it was, there was this huge question mark hanging over our entire trip planning process. And we realized sort of after we arrived that we hadn't done any real planning for the trip. Like we, we had a basic idea, 
you know, we knew we were going to go to Yellowstone Park. We had not, I bought the guidebook. We had not even flipped through it. We, we had no clue because we were so concerned with, are we actually going to be able to, to get in the country? And for me personally, and I don't know if this would be the, the case for anyone traveling right now, but for us in our particular situation, which was my husband's not an American citizen. My husband also had to be back to work within like 48 hours of returning to Rome, or it would have been a bit of a catastrophe. So like quarantining wasn't an option for him. Because of these, specifically these two things, there was just a level of stress that was sort of constantly just weighing down on us. And I deal with stress pretty well in normal situations, but as we've talked about with travel, like my weak spot, my husband is very prone to stress. So it was not a great situation. And I think that when we came back, I needed recovery. I needed a week. You know how they always say you need a vacation from your vacation. It really felt like that. Like it was really, I I need to just do nothing for like four days and let the stress sort of dissipate. I don't know that I realized until then, until like that, you know, and I've just finished that first week how much that stress sort of what were the requirements coming back into Italy did they have the same thing like did you get a sense of say if I wanted to come visit you what I might be facing right well it's going to be much easier it's much easier to go to Europe than it is to come to the states so you do not need a negative COVID test if you are vaccinated you only need one as a child um, if you're over six Aurelio had like literally turned six three weeks before, uh-huh. so he had to get one. But you know, if you have your um, your vaccination record and it's been two weeks since the the second shot, or I think there are a couple of other things. If you don't have a vaccination, I think you you could have the the negative test, or you can have proof that you've recovered within I don't know if it's three or six months. So, you said that it was not for the faint of heart traveling from overseas to try to get into the United States and probably not even to go back, but we'll find that out later. So tell us why. Why was it so much worse? Because we all know international travel sucks. Why was it so much worse during COVID? Well, so on top of all the documentation that you need and the stress of like making sure you have everything that you need and you've got it in the right time and because there's so much fine print and it's just so difficult to keep up with all of the changes and all of the rules, we knew that Claudio, if he hadn't been my husband and Aurelio's father, would not have been able to come into the United States. In the fine print on the American embassy website of who is allowed to go into the States and who isn't, it says that you know people who've been in Europe are not able to go in unless they are the spouse of a, an American citizen or a minor child of an American citizen or the parent of a minor child who is an American citizen. So luckily Claudio is, is, was two of those things. And we knew we had to get all of his documentations. We knew we needed our marriage license translated, notarized. How do you know, how do you know that you need to bring a marriage certificate? Cause I don't think people would necessarily think that. Well, we would probably not have thought of it. Luckily, Claudio's ex-girlfriend, who is now our friend, works at Alitalia, and she told us, you know, get your marriage certificate, a copy of it, and then get it translated into English, and then get it legalized by the Italian state, like in court. Hmm. And I 
had this flash of brilliance. I was like, wait a second, you, we have an Aurelio's American birth certificate and it's in English already. And it was produced by the Italian embassy. I'm like, that is definitely going to be enough. We don't need to pay for this expensive translation. And he's like, no, 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 I want to have both. And we had a huge fight about it because I didn't want to spend the 150 bucks to get this fancy translation and he wanted to be safe and turns out thank god he um <laughs> won that argument because we needed that thing so so we had all these documents and he was stressed until the very last second we couldn't even plan the enjoyable parts of it we get to the fiumicino airport i mean there's already that stress whenever you have a big trip is the line going to be long? Am I going to miss my flight? Do I have scissors in my carry-on? Like, you know, it's just there's so, there's so much that can go wrong from little to big. And we get to the, finally get to the front of the line to check in and uh, they can't print Claudio's boarding pass. Like it won't print. Hmm. And they had looked at all our documents. You know, they had checked our COVID tests and our vaccines. They had checked everything. They had checked our marriage license. But the computer was blocking Claudio's boarding pass and they couldn't figure out why well it turns out they had canceled the US government uh, the Department of Homeland Security to be precise had canceled his ESTA which is basically a visa waiver program for people from Europe and some other countries he's traveled to the United States with ESTA many times it's very straightforward and they had just it was like it had been completely erased or canceled and it's basically like how we for me to come to Seattle, I don't need to get a special visa to come visit you. It's a similar thing, right? He doesn't need to go apply for something. Exactly. Well, he does have to apply for it, but it's very straightforward. You have to answer a couple of questions. There's a couple of countries that they don't want you to have visited mm, um, for whatever reason, like Somalia and Iran. But for the most part, as long as you're not like an international terrorist, <laughs> like <laughs> as long as you don't admit to being an international terrorist. You're in. Yeah, if you're from one <laughs> okay. of these countries. So it's so that we find out this thing has been canceled. We're freaking out, but we have all the paperwork and we know that he's allowed to be there mm-hmm. because, you know, I read the fine print on the American embassy website, but in the back of your head, you're thinking, did they change the rules since then? Like, what is going on? Luckily, some manager at Alitalia was able to override the system and manually, I don't know how, approve his entry. And so we got our boarding pass, we got on the flight And I'm thinking, okay, it's smooth sailing from here out. Like, we're going to be fine. We get to JFK. So we had a three-hour layover. I could have chosen a later flight that would have given us a two-hour layover. But I said, you know what? I'm going to do the three-hour layover just Mm -hmm. in case. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Our flight was about 45 minutes late coming in. But I still was like, okay, we're good. Then there was this massive, massive line to go through immigration and border control. Huge line. But not only was it really long, it was squished together. It was like 14 rows of line snaking back and forth. You are truly cattle. Yeah, it was awful. To to have to go through that in a time like this was very nerve wracking because of how close we were and forced to be. All of this sort of airport chaos is because of the pandemic but the consequence of that is that we're being forced into a massive line where we're going to be potentially coming into contact with hundreds and hundreds of people like seems like not ideal situation anyway we finally get up to immigration and basically because of this whole situation with the ESTA being cancelled and Claudio being a European and not an American citizen 
It just took a very, very long time for us. Once we'd waited in the line, which took 45 minutes itself, we were another 45 minutes of waiting to have our individual documents checked. And to be honest, I think that even if that hadn't happened, which was very nerve-wracking and stressful, but I think even if it hadn't happened, I think we would have missed our flight anyway. Because uh, at JFK, I mean, you know how it is. If you're ever doing a connection there for an international flight, you almost always have to change terminals. There is a tram, but you have to leave the airport. Like, you have to physically go outside. And because you're outside you have to go through security again. I knew this about JFK. And while we were waiting in line, before we even got up to immigration, I was looking at my watch and thinking, oh my gosh, uh, we might miss that flight. We might miss that flight. And in the end, we did miss it. What hour of travel are you at at this point, would you say? When you miss that flight, how long have you already been on the road? Well, if you count like when we leave our house, do you count when we leave our house? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. We left the house at 6 a.m., I think, maybe a little bit before 6 a.m. No, 6.30. We left the house at 6.30 a.m. Rome time. Our connecting flight to Salt Lake City was supposed to be for 4 p.m. in New York. 4 p.m. in New York is 10 p.m. in Rome. Mm-hmm. So that's um, 6.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. What is that? 7, 8, 9, 10. That's... 13, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 and a half hours. Okay. Or it wasn't quite that long because we, we hadn't officially missed a flight yet. But I knew we were going to. Like, I didn't even attempt. I didn't even try to get to the terminal. I knew by the time everything was fine and they'd finally checked the documents a hundred times or whatever, and we got through, it was clear that we were not going to make the flight. So my, my advice to anyone going into the United States, and I have a lot of friends who live here in Italy and a lot of contacts who I don't know personally who live somewhere in Europe and have a spouse who is not an American citizen, give yourself like a five-hour layover. Like, don't joke around. If you haven't gone to the States yet and you're planning on going and you have to, you have a connection, just be prepared. Be prepared to have to wait and have, you know, extra scrutiny on your documents. You'll be fine. You'll be able to get through, but you might have to wait. And they are not going to care if you miss your connection. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to be, not known for their warm and fuzziness all the time. The uh, no, immigration the, officers. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Yeah, so I mean, the good, the good news, there, was, there is a silver lining though, Katie. Okay. We wanted to get on the next flight. Okay, there was one more flight to Salt Lake City. Because Salt Lake City is not a huge, huge destination. So not tons of flights. Um, but there was a flight two hours later at 6 p.m., I found a person from Alitalia. Like I did kind of turn on the desperation at a certain point while Claudio was, uh, you know, was waiting for his documents to be checked. I went up to like an airport worker. Like it was not an airline worker. It was an airport worker. And I went up to this guy and I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to lose, makes my flight and it's not my fault. And, and um, he's like, okay, what, what flight were, you know, what airline? I was like, Alitalia. He's like, okay, I'm going to send an Alitalia person down here. Just wait here. And she comes down and she wasn't the friendliest, but she was helpful. And she's like, come up to the Alitalia ticket desk as soon as you're, you're all through with this. Because I was just going to go to the gate and try to get on the next flight. She's like, no, 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 don't go to the gate. Come up to the Alitalia ticket desk. So that was good advice. And so we go up there, but it was just more waiting. It was like every step was just so much waiting. So we get there and it takes about 45 minutes for them to tell us 
that flight, uh, that 6 p.m. flight to Salt Lake City is 100% full. Mm. You're not getting on that flight. Yeah. And so I was like, what are we going to do? And they're like, um, well, there's tomorrow. And I'm like, no. And I'm thinking, they're, you know, we're, we're on our own. We're going to have to, like, find a hotel. And, you know, I'm texting with my mom in the meantime. And she's like, make sure they put you up in a, in a hotel and they pay for your dinner. And, da, da, da. and I was like... Really? And she's like, yes, absolutely, 100%. And they did. Hmm. So they put us up in a pretty decent hotel, to be honest. They paid for a generous dinner at the hotel and, a, and a, you know, pretty generous breakfast as well. The problem was our flight was not until 4 p.m. the following day. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like we were on, you know, the 9 a.m. first flight out. This was very upsetting to me at first. But in the end, it all worked out because, first of all, we got to go sleep. Mm-hmm. We were so tired. I had a raging headache for the entire flight. I can't tell you why. It was a kind of headache. It wasn't a migraine, but it was the kind of headache where like you feel like you're going to collapse. And that's sort of how I felt during this whole ordeal of waiting. So we finally find out, again, we don't get the flight. All right, we're going to go tomorrow. Then I have to go to the voucher office and they have to make a voucher for this hotel. And that's another half an hour wait. And my poor angel baby child... Is just rolling with it. And that's why I say about him, he is an amazing traveler. He just like rolls with the punches. He's just, okay. I would not have been like this at that age. I would have been like ah, crying, asking my mom when we were going home. But he was great. Well, what's interesting too is the first time, so I know loosely what your plans are when you get to the United States. And the first pictures I'm seeing are you wandering around in New York. And I'm like, what in the <laughs> world is happening? Yeah. Like, I didn't know you were going to New York. Yeah. The funny thing is I texted you <laughs> while this was happening. I was so pissed off at that point. But I, I realized later, and I was like, why isn't she seeing my messages? I had texted your Italian number <laughs> from like <laughs> five years ago, um, seven years ago. So yeah, so I mean, it took so long to get all through all of those steps from immigration to reticketing to the vouchers that when we were waiting for the little airport shuttle bus that takes you to the airport hotel, we were sitting there, we were so tired. Like, I honestly don't know if I've ever been that tired. I really don't think I have. I think it was like the maximum tired my I've ever been in my life. And I looked at my watch and I said to Claudio, do you realize that if we'd gotten on that second flight, the one that was full, we would just be taking off right now and we would have five and five hour flight ahead of us. Mm. And we were both like, thank God, <laughs> like, thank God we didn't get on that flight because yeah. I think we probably would have all gotten sick, mm. just sick from exhaustion. So it was a it was a blessing in disguise that we got to go to a nice, comfortable hotel, have a big meal go to sleep. We all fell asleep at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. We woke up extremely early, but it was okay. We just hung out and I was like, okay, what are we going to do till 4 p.m. though? Or until 2 p.m. when we need to be at the airport? Like, what are we going to do? Just sit around this, this airport hotel? And my mom was like, get a cab and go into the city. I'm going to pay for it. <laughs> That's and I was like, ding, 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 ding. And Claudia's like, you know where we've never been? We've never been to Brooklyn. Uh, Because we've been to New York together like three or four times, so we've never been to Brooklyn. And so I was looking at the map, I was like, it's closer than Manhattan. (laughs) In the end, it's really not very much closer, but you know, whatever. We took a cab and we spent the morning at Domino Park in Williamsburg. We loved it. Aurelio adored it. There's a huge 
really cool play area for kids, beautiful views. We went out for coffee. It was great. It was a really, really lovely morning. And the weather was gorgeous. And where we were supposed to be in Park City, Utah, was torrential downpour that day. We did go through a a serious amount of stress that was, you know, frankly, not necessary. Um, But we got a little bit of extra rest and we had a really fun morning. So it really ended up being, like I said, a blessing in disguise. We have to wrap it up fairly soon. Long story. (laughs) I know. And I want to hear what your impressions of the United States were after being away for so long. But maybe we'll do that next week. Yeah. Is there an easy way to tell us what it was like to travel to Europe from the U.S.? Is it a breeze? No. It's not a breeze. I wish I could tell you it's a breeze. It's definitely not as bad. So everybody just stay home. Just stay, stay home, home, honestly. Just stay home. When we were, Travel domestically. When we were at the airport waiting for that, the hotel voucher, like the very last step before getting to the hotel, I said to Claudia, I was like, I don't want to travel anymore. Period. I'm done. I'm done. I mean, I, I don't feel like that now. But I was like, really like, I don't want to make such long trips. I'll go to London. I'll go to Paris. I don't want to go this far anymore. It's too much. It's too exhausting. And I also had this thought during that day, during that ordeal. I thought traveling, especially flying internationally, is a lot like parenthood. It's incredibly degrading. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like... It's wonderful. It's wonderful. You, you have these amazing experiences that nothing else in the world can compare to. Traveling internationally as well as parenthood. Both. Mm-hmm. But they are both so degrading and so, and so not humiliating, mortifying. Mm. You find yourselves, and I'm talking about motherhood, by the way. Not parenthood. Motherhood. <laughs> um, you find yourself in these situations where you're like, I cannot believe how people are treating me right now. For example, when you're giving birth at the hospital, it's like, my God, like what a mortifying experience that is. <laughs> and it's so similar to traveling. You're just like, everybody treats you like garbage when you are a, an airplane traveler, right? I mean, maybe if you're like a VIP first class, no, but like you are just at TSA, they're treating you like garbage. They're yelling at you. You're in the wrong place. Who told you to go there? Why move back here? Throw your water away. You can't have that. Take your shoes off. You know what I mean? It's like, God, they treat you like absolute garbage and you can't say a word. In the airplane itself, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the flight attendants treated you with respect. No more. Those days are gone. They treat you like absolute pieces, of, you know, just like, you are just the worst thing in the world. And I mean, I'm nice to these people, so I don't even know how rude people get treated. Maybe rude people get treated better. But, you know, just don't stand up yet. This fastened seatbelt sign is on. (laughs) I get it. They're probably so frustrated too. But you just, you know, we were sitting next to the toilets on both flights coming back. Constant flushing of toilets and banging of doors and the seats are so uncomfortable and they bring you the crappiest food and and it's dirty and it's just like degrading. Oh and you have to lug yourself around, you have to go you have to pay like six bucks for a bottle of water and then they make you throw it away anyway. As I just So that was the thought that I had. Yeah. Flying internationally is like motherhood. (laughs) Wonderful, exciting, also degrading and humiliating. But just to briefly wrap it up, flying to Europe 
as a foreigner, as a non-European, is definitely way easier than going to the United States as a non-American. Like, don't even attempt that unless you're married to someone. Clearly, you can't go unless you're married to someone. But also, like, even if, like, if I hadn't had my mom and, you know, my sister and her kids that I hadn't seen in so long, we, we would never have gone. Never. I wouldn't recommend anyone go to the United States for a pleasure trip unless you have family that you're desperate to see. Coming to Europe, you know, you can go as a tourist. I don't know that I recommend it. I really don't. Like, not right now. It's just a lot of hassle. You have to, you know, you have to have your vaccination record. You have to have all the paperwork, you know. If you're with a child who's not vaccinated, they need a test. And you have to have a locator form, which... I don't know, it was just this thing you fill out saying like where you're going to be. So if like, they need to find you, they can find you. Uh, I think they always have to do that though. No, it's something different. It's something much more intense. You have to even like put like what seat you're sitting in and stuff on mm. the airplane. So like if like you were sitting next to someone who then reported that they, ha- they got it, like they contact you. Right, okay. Anyway, it's complicated stuff. But the real problem, like, like if you're in New York City, and you want to go to Rome or to, to Paris, you know, go for it. It's probably not going to be that big of a deal. But if you have to connect like we did, and we were coming from L.A., and, you know, usually there's a direct flight from L.A. to Rome, and it's, it's long, but it's, it's, you know, it's direct. But that flight was not running. So we had to connect at my favorite of all airports in the world, JFK. <laughs> when we got to the airport, they told us, you are going to have to, your bags are checked all the way through, thank the Lord, but you're going to have to um, get a new boarding pass for your second flight. So for our, from our flight from L.A. to JFK, I go to the gate and I, I'm trying to get better seats for us because we're at the dead last row of the airplane. And I knew we have this relatively short connection, two hours. Usually a, that would be long, but in this case, you know, and I'm like, we're not going to get out of the plane in time. We got to get our seats mm-hmm. moved up. And he's like, no, no, we can't move you because the flight is 100% full. So this idea that people are not traveling right now is a myth. <laughs> they are. <laughs> but he said, don't worry, because I can just print your boarding passes right now for your second flight. And I was like, fantastic. This is great. So I'm thinking everything's fine. I get on the airplane and I say to the flight attendant, listen, I have a connecting flight at JFK to Rome. Can you tell me which terminal it's leaving from? And if I'm going to make it in time, she comes back and she's like, look, you're leaving from the same terminal and the gate is two gates down from where we're arriving. And I'm thinking, this is great. Stress is off. We have our boarding passes. Our bags are checked all the way through and we're right there. So we get off the plane and we're looking around. You know, I always feel like a deer in the headlights in these situations. You're looking around, you're like, where am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be going? I look at the little screen and I see Fiumicino, FCO, gate, there's nothing written there. I thought it was supposed to be right down there. I thought it was supposed to be right around the corner. Luckily, this man who I think worked for Delta sees me and he says, are you going to Rome? And I said, yes, yes, we're going to Rome. He's like, that's in terminal one. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. He's like, yes. I said, they told me it was right down here. He said, nope, that's in Terminal 1. You got to go, you got to go way back. It's really, really far from here. And, he, and he's like, wait a second. And there's a woman who's like driving the little cart. Mm-hmm. And he's like, can you take these people like as far as you can get them to Terminal 1? Thank God. Because <laughs> honestly, 
I think we would have missed our flight if it hadn't been for that. So yeah. she drives us all the way to the beginning of the terminal. It was so far, Katie. <laughs> it would have been like a 20-minute walk to get to where she took us in about five minutes. So we get there, and she's like, okay, you got to go down the stairs, across outside, across the street, up the elevator, and then you get the air train. So we go down the stairs, out the door, across the street, up the elevator, get on the air train. We take it to Terminal 1, we get off, and we see the security line. And we're like, well, we knew, we, we knew this was coming. We get in the security line, and, you know, the first thing they do is they check your boarding pass before you even get up to the security where they check your, your stuff. And they're like, no, 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 you guys got to get new boarding passes. I'm like, you are gotta be kidding me why because they had to check our tests and our vaccinations oh yeah they had already checked it all in la but they had to check it again so luckily like we had to go to the check-in desk at alitalia i mean thank god there was no line we get there and the, the woman there like she knew what was going on there were two other people there there was an italian woman there and she looked terrified like she was going to miss her flight and i <laughs> realized that i had I had the time wrong on my phone and I had thought we had like an extra hour. And I looked at my phone, I'm like, oh my God, our flight's leaving in a half an hour. So she quickly does it. She checks our vaccination records. She checks Aurelio's test, gives us our boarding passes. We go through security. Thank God the line wasn't too bad. We run to the gate and we get there and it's like final boarding call. Wow. And we make it on. But I mean, that, that's the kind of stress that you do not need. Truly. You do not need that. To think one thing and then have it turn out to be another, like, it's just, yes. it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Yeah. And then as far as, like, getting into Italy, no problem. Plane lands. You just walk out the door. Uh, we, no, we, we had to go through passport control. Yeah. Even Italians have to go through passport control. When, I mean, we're all Italians. I don't remember them asking us anything strange. The lines were very short. The lines were also way better spaced in Italy. There was way more space between people, which was great. We'll get into that kind of stuff maybe next episode. I was a bit shocked, I got to say, in the States to see like there was not a lot of social distancing in places like airports and other crowded places. But uh, we'll get into that later. But um yeah, I mean, it was. I think it was fine because, you know, because we're Italian. I don't know if, if we had been from other places how it, it would have gone. But it ended up, like, the, the, that little last bit of it was fine. But let me tell you, Katie, it was, it was more stress than, than is necessary. You know, you, wanted, you travel to enjoy yourself. You travel to relax. I mean, it's your vacation, right? You're supposed to be relaxing. Yes, a cautionary tale to be sure. Well, we should leave it there, uh, but maybe next week we'll get more of your larger impressions on what it's like to travel, not so much actual travel, but to travel um, in the time of COVID, but when it's not through the airport. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, it's good to have you back. Uh, it's good to be back. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Do you have a topic you want us to explore? Send your requests. We love to hear what you want to know. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and contact us with your questions, your adventures, your observations, your favorite episodes. We love hearing from you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. Bye.